What is up? Here's the deal, listeners. It's Dominic here. Wanted to let you know about one of our sponsors, and that is Ear Jams. Ear Jams is a silent disco headphone reel company. Man, it's a really awesome opportunity and really unique in the landscape of events. I don't know if your event is boring. Sometimes ours can get that way. And Ear Jams has helped to spice up those events and make them ones that people remember. It is a memory maker. It's an epic listening experience with fully immersive headphones that you put on, no matter if you have 20 people or 2,000 people. People gather together and uh, with using transmitters. I used our interns, and we had three interns who used this. Uh, man, they plugged their phones into these transmitters. It went all the way to everybody's headset. And everybody, all of our students, were dancing and having a great time. It's so funny, too, when you watch people dance because they have all the music in their ears. But outside, they're singing, and many of them don't know the words, and it's hilarious. We did this for a marriage conference, and we had a silent prom for our adults. Man, it was sweet. It made the time memorable. Uh, we've done this for our kids' birthday parties, outdoor movies, uh, outdoor fitness, all these different things you can do with Ear Jams Silent Disco Headphone Rentals. Uh, you can go check them out at earjams.co. That is earjams.co uh, to check out event ideas, get pricing, and all of that stuff as well. And make sure you do that. Go check them out. Go check out their social media. Go check out their content. Why? Because when you support those who support us, man, it helps everybody win. And so we are so excited for their partnership and hope that you will look at them and use them as well. That is earjams.co. Thanks so much for listening and go support them. Earjams.co. And thanks for listening to the Here Still podcast. everybody. Thank you so much for checking out the Here's the Deal podcast. My name is Dominic Kendall, and uh, man, we are so excited about today's show. I know it's been a while, but uh, there's been something that has sparked uh, my desire to jump back on here and create a little bit more content for everybody who is listening. And so uh, we are excited to do that today, and uh, we hope that you are listening, you're sharing this with others. Man, something really cool has happened in our in our country and uh, in local communities and specifically on a college campus. Um, and we are uh, excited about what's happened, what the Lord's doing. And not just on one college campus and, and multiple college campuses all across our country and in different cities and different churches. And we're talking about things like revival and uh, man from Asbury. You guys have heard of the Asbury revival. We actually have a buddy of mine who went to Asbury and um, he, I, I called him as soon as I saw that he was going to be there and, and checking out and driving up from Birmingham to go there. I had to text him and figure out what was going on and kind of get a firsthand uh, account of what's going on. And so uh, my buddy Dalton Moore uh, drove up there and got to be a part of it. And so he joins me today. Dalton, man, how are you, man? Hey, I'm doing great. Awesome. Hey, listen, dude. One, how far of a drive was that? It was about six hours. Six hours, okay. And did you and your wife go, and your whole family, or just you? I just I took off a bit by myself. Yeah, well, I mean, you got a new baby, right? So that's a yeah. So that that would have been a that would have been a pretty difficult trip. It would have been it would have been a rough one. Yeah, but you made it. And so, what is your tie? What is your uh uh connection uh, to all of this and, and, and really how did all this come about? Not only just your involvement, but uh, the revival in general. 
yeah, so um, in 2014, I started my freshman year at Asbury University. Um, and so I was a student up there for four years, graduated in 2018. And um, it's, it's a special community, small town, very dedicated to the Lord. I remember when I was up there, like there's a water tower in Wilmore, and it has a cross on the top of the water tower that lights up at night. And I remember when all of this, um, the groups that were going around trying to take uh, Bibles out of schools and Christian symbols off everything, I remember the school getting a, a pretty nasty letter and yeah. blog post all about how we should remove the cross, but uh, it's still up there. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so I grew up, I mean, I went to school there, uh, loved the culture and, you know, revival was something we always heard about, um, especially because it was pretty popular that it was in 1960, a revival took place at Asbury. Yeah. We always heard stories from alumni that would come in about how great it was and really created a culture where we would continually pray for revival. Yeah. And so when I when I saw the news um, and kind of started hearing about it and seeing what was going on, I just felt this huge urge that I, I got to be in that room. Yeah. And so after church Sunday, um, I, I took off on up there. Yeah. And and you and 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 so and the revival is still right now going on at day thirteen, fourteen, isn't it? Yeah, day thirteen right now. Yeah. And so it's. Uh, still going strong. I mean, there's, there's thousands of people outside waiting to get into the room. Yeah. Uh, an auditorium holds about 1500. Yeah. And so it's, uh, it's packed out and there's, there's a desperation to get in there right now. Yeah. And, and so you, you go in there, which is, it just sounds incredible. Uh, now if I'm not mistaken, this, this was just like a chapel service or a prayer service that just kind of just didn't stop. Right. Yeah, so we have, or at Asbury, you have chapel Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 10 a.m. And so it was just a normal chapel service. And um, and I even heard the president, you know, say this and saw a post last night where, you know, Zach Mercury's got done with the message on Wednesday, and he texted his wife and yeah. said, latest, latest stinker. I'll be home soon. Yeah. And he told a friend that he, he was sure that he totally whiffed the sermon. Yeah. And, um, which I don't know for you and for anybody who, who preaches or shares, like that's pretty encouraging that a guy that works even through what we think is a, is a total bomb or a stinker, you yeah. know, yeah. of a message. And, um, and so, you know, with, with classes, you know, chapel goes to about 1055. And then, I mean, a lot of students have classes at 11. So some, right. some left. And then they, they say that there's probably about 20 to 30 students that kind of just stuck around. And, and now honestly, like that was kind of normal. Um, yeah. And there was a lot of chapel services when I was up there where, you know, if it was, if it's pretty heavy or we just felt it, we would just sit around and, uh, you pray, you meditate, and, you know, as a worship leader, we would stay up there and just kind of keep playing. But it always came to a point, you know, 20, 30 minutes in where we kind of looked at each other and we're like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. And, uh, and we wrapped it up. But 
it's not that the case. Didn't happen. Yeah. And and <laughs> and fourteen days later, that's what so, you're doing. Yeah. And and I think it just they said by mid afternoon, you know, there was hundreds of students back in there, and then by the time I got to that night, you know, it's packed back out, and yeah, that there was just there's like this thick presence of God that just kind of settled in that room. And it wasn't because people just stood, you know, stayed around yeah. and hung out. But out of those 20 or 30 students, um, one by one, they started confessing like their deepest, darkest secrets and sins to each other. Yeah. And, and you know, getting that off their chest. And I think the Lord just kind of inhabited that honesty and that authenticity and that vulnerability. And met with them there right. and then other people started coming in and, and feeling that same presence and, and so like you said it's still going on today yeah and which is incredible and um it's it's powerful that that it it wasn't some huge concert which the lord can use that and some big conference which the lord can use that but it was just in the hearts of young people sitting there beginning to just walk in ways of the lord and 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 do things scripturally about confessing their sins to one another and and sharing with one another, which is incredible. You know, one of the things I think of too is that um, you're, so you're a worship leader, so you have the opportunity to lead worship, right? Yeah. So um, when I went up there, I was just my whole deal was I just I just want to be in the room and I don't, I want to experience it. Right. So I got there at about nine thirty at night. And I mean, this is just honest, what I felt, what I experienced. Um, I'm not, you know, I, I didn't come from like a charismatic background yeah. or anything like that. Um, and I really try not to over-exaggerate anything. Right. I'm pretty straightforward. Um, but when I got there, um, I walked in the back, walked in the back of the auditorium and there's a little lobby space. And then you go through some more doors into the actual auditorium. And right. when I crossed that threshold into yeah. that auditorium, like I thought, I thought I was going down. Yeah. And yeah. Um, and honestly, it took me about five days to put into words um, kind of what I felt in that moment. And one way to describe it was I didn't, I didn't, I didn't choose to myself, but it was like automatically I had to die to myself before I entered that space. Right. And, um, another way I could describe it is that like any, any bit of selfish desire or sinful fault or, or just any kind of fleshly, anything, um, was almost taken away from me before I entered that room. Yeah. And, um, it, it was crazy and you know just kind of sat around kind of trying to take in everything that's going on soaking it all in worshiping praying uh, reading scripture and then i noticed some guys that i went to school with and i just went and talked to them and they had been leading worship um for the past few days and they're like hey man uh do you do you want to lead worship at the, at one a.m. One a.m. And honestly, like I was about to, I was about to head to my friend's house to crash because yeah, 
mean, I had been at church all Sunday morning, made the drive up there. It was about it was about midnight at that point, and I was like, oh, I, man, I'm not sure. I haven't led worship in a while, and you know, I, I'm I'm not going to screw up <laughs> what, yeah. what's going on here. And they were like, no, man, you got it. And so I was like, okay. Right, well, you get, before you before you go, you need to go up to the consecration room. And I was like, right, I probably had a puzzled look on my face because yeah. that wasn't something that was of the norm. And so they kind of described to me, you know, hey, you know, back behind the chapel on the top floor, there's a room up there, and there's people up there who are who pray over anybody who touches that stage right now. And so went up there and was prayed over for probably 30 minutes and um, came back out and met a bunch of other guys. Um, I think, well, I think there's like four or five of us. And it was like, all right, well, we're leading all together. And none of us have met each other before, but, and we don't know what songs we're doing. Right. But we know Jesus and we have that in common. So that, I guess that's all we need. Yeah. And, and so at 1 a.m. we got on stage and just started leading. And for me, I, I was super nervous going into it. And then it just, peace came over me. I just kind of like stepped back into that that role that I once had. And yeah. it was, uh, it became easy. And it, it was probably one of the easiest services um, or worship times that I've ever been a part of because, I mean, none of us really dared to speak anything. We were just going to sing to the Lord and lead by the way we were playing and worshiping ourselves. And um, it got to be about 2 o'clock, and the guy on the piano named George, he just looked at me and was like, hey, you good to go to a three? I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Yeah, I mean, at that point. Uh, you're running yeah, on Holy Spirit really. energy anyway, so. Um, oh yeah, yeah. No doubt. And so you you go through this and and you sing, which was which was probably man just awesome to be a part of, but it's one of those things too yeah. is that when I when I hear about these revivals and I and I've done some study on on uh, you know Jonathan Edwards and and you know all the 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 great first awakenings you know the great the great first awakening in. Yeah. Uh, in America, George Whitfield, all that kind of stuff um, going on in in the Americas, and you're going, man. When you look at those revivals, when you read through it, you go, man, how did those start? And and Jonathan Edwards, who was just in his twenties, was a, a, a young pastor who was trying to love a group of people, and he said that one thing that was hard was that the uh, young people he called them were stagnant, and they were they weren't really moved that well. But all of a sudden, uh, I think it was through prayer, uh, through in, intentionality, but also through, I mean, there were some hard, difficult times of uh, they lost a, a friend of theirs, and there was a young person who died of a sickness, and, and it was really rough. But all of a sudden, uh, a flame was lit, and desire was lit, and, all, and man, before you know it, revival breaks out in the heart of young people who are serious and it goes into the senior adults into the and into the community and then of course now into the history books is a moment where uh, man this revolution this this uh, first great awakening man it takes off and um, I mean George Whitfield was in his 30s Jonathan Edwards was in his 20s and 
man, the Lord just starts doing something. Now tell me about, like you're in there, uh, tell me about the demographics. It's not just young people, right? You got a lot of different people. Yeah, I mean, so Wilmore is a city that Asbury's in, and you have a university and you have the seminary that's right across the street. And so you really have people, especially at the seminary and even at the university, there's people from all around the world who are there for, for school. Yeah. And, um, and so, yeah, there's a lot of college and high schoolers in there. And but you also have, you also have some of these people who were a part of the 1970 revival yeah. um, who are still in the area, who are professors at the seminary, who um, who realized that like God did a deep work in them in 1970 that they devoted their whole lives to it. Right. And, you know, and so they're in there, you know, shepherding and just kind of, you know, reliving those days. And I think that's kind of one of the, the nice things that I've heard about um, this revival because, I mean, a lot of the older demographic would be super skeptical about, you yeah. know, a young person movement. Um, but when you have these people who were in the room in 1970 when this happened, saying right. this, this feels oddly similar yeah. and it started out the same exact way and, and they're they're giving the thumbs up and they're, they're shepherding and they're praying over students. And yeah. And yeah. So, I mean, high school to 80 years old is in there and you have, you have college students praying over 80 year olds, 80 year olds praying over college students. Yeah. And I remember there was one night that, you know, one of the emphasis that, that they tried to make was for the older generation to take up the calling and vocation to be spiritual mothers and fathers to these, to these young kids and to Gen Z because it's what they're desperate for. Right. right. And, um, I, I think a lot of times we can be scared of Gen Z or something, but like they um, need spiritual yeah. mothers and fathers to, to walk alongside of them. They do. Now they listen, they are horrifying as a student pastor. They, they are the strangest <laughs> generation I've ever been a part of, but yes, you're exactly right. They are, uh, they are one that desperately needs those to come alongside them and, and help walk with them in the ways of Jesus that they've not walked in as nearly as long as this other generation. Yeah. So um, now, you know, one thing that's crazy is that, and, and I don't know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I'm not all this, but I mean, it just seems like with everything happening in the world right now, I mean, you got wars in Ukraine, you've got, you've got, seems to be like Chinese aggression and you've got uh, you've got earthquakes yeah. happening in Turkey and Syria you've got things coming out of the skies you got uh, you've got everything that is, is happening in the world and now in the midst of this you have one the movie uh, the movie Jesus revolution coming out um, yeah. which documents part of Asbury's revival in the 70s and not only that it also, um, it also takes part of the, um, you know, what happened with Calvary Chapel and on the West Coast and the hippies and, and, and all of that. It just seems like, uh, and, and now um, I, have, I have students who go to Lee University where they've been going. Yeah. One of my interns goes there and, 
Um, I've got buddies, of course, we know about in Samford, uh, down there in Birmingham. Uh, they, they've had some revival breakout and, and all these different communities. It just feels like the Lord's doing something, maybe, maybe calling our attention back to himself and, uh, doing something among young people that, uh, I mean, we haven't seen in our generation. And so, uh, you know, one of the things that, yeah. I, th- I think is so important is, and, and, and maybe you can give some light to this as well, is that, you know, revival is not, doesn't, revival doesn't normally just happen in a, in a huge populace. It always starts in the hearts of individuals, you know, people who have just come to a point where the Lord is, where maybe they've walked away from the Lord or there's been some sin and there's just this personal confession to the Lord and a, and a, and a reviving of them. And then it happens with another. And it's really like a flame. It's like a, a flame and a spark that jumps from one person to the next person to the next person. And it begins to multiply. Um, and you, you shared a little bit about how you walked in there going, man, I need to confess some stuff, man, or there's some stuff I just need to get right, man. This, what are you seeing from friends and maybe some people that you know there? Are they are they experiencing the same thing? This this turning from sin, refocusing on Jesus, and uh, this I was stagnant. Now I'm alive again. You seen a lot of that in your friends and and maybe any stories or anything that you can share about that? Yeah, um, the one that comes to mind right off the bat. Um, he was a couple years older than me at Asbury and. Um, he he had made a Facebook post that that he went to to the revival and he stayed for 20 minutes, which you know that kind of catches your attention oh, real yeah. quick because it's like okay oh, oh gosh, uh, <laughs> like were, were you mad like like something yeah you know you weren't sure but he was he he went on to talk about how he's been in a terrible spot in his life and. Um, been going through a, a rough time and the one thing that keeps showing up for him in, the, in these moments is God and people. Yeah. And, you know, he still lives in the Lexington area and so like this has been going on for days right. and he's been hearing about it and it's 25 minutes away from him and, and yet he hasn't been. And so he decides to go and just talk about it, it was a sweet time for him and he left realizing, you know, if, if there's one thing he could take away from it is that you just need to take a next step towards God. Right. Um, like, no matter what position we are in life, like, God's, God's reaching out for us. He's, he's the one knocking on the door constantly, and it's us that, you know, just take one step to Him, and He takes, and He draws close to us. And Right. Um, he had just realized that in his life he hadn't been taking steps towards towards God. He's been trying to do everything on his own. And um, and, and one thing with this revival that I think is going to stick stick around with this generation and you know for years to come is like uh, yes, this will probably go down in history books, um, but I think a great one of the purposes of this, maybe why God's doing this, is that this sets up the church for a long time. There are people who will be changed for the rest of their lives, will go out 
and share the gospel among the nations because of this moment. Um, you know, it's easy to call the 1970, um, or we, we can call it a revival because we realize now that it did spread. Yeah. We realize now that out, out of the thousand students that were there at the time, 500 of them went on to be missionaries. Right. Um, because they had experienced something so great that they wanted to take it to the rest of the world. And if there's anything for this generation, um, it's, you know, just that wake up call. And this is going to set up church and set up Christianity with, with people who have experienced God in a deep way and their lives are forever changed. And they're going to be able to, to change the world uh, moving forward. And so I'm really excited about that and just to see how all of this plays out. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things, too, is that there's one thing to get a lot of people together for a lot of days and that be something. Yeah. It's another thing to see this, see the ramifications of this, the results of this impacting families and countries and towns and coffee shops and that's when you know revivals take place. It's not just one meeting with yeah. God, but when you leave there and you glow with the same countenance and it's obvious to others that you've been with Jesus. And that's one of the things I hope for in all of this and I hope for in all of the different things that are going to take place in the coming days, months, and weeks um, is just not simply going to meet with the Lord, but going out and making much of Jesus as a result. And so... Uh, you know, Dalton, what, hey, what, what last things before we wrap up? Anything anything else you go, man, this is something I really thought, or man, this is a thought I had uh, before we let you go. Yeah, I mean, I would just like to just even for a second just talk about the culture of yeah. of, of what's going on there right now. Um, first off, it's nameless. Yeah, that's I, I love that. There, I don't know anybody, unless somebody posts on Instagram about it, there ain't no, like, one name leading it. Yeah. And, like, nobody knows the names of people who have been up there to lead worship. Um, nobody knows the speakers. And it was a few days in where um, even administration and people who are in, in leaders up there who were kind of guiding and facilitating this movement, like, they stopped sharing their name when they got on stage. Right. Like, like even the president of the university got up and just started talking or just said, hey, my name's Kevin. Yeah. And it's like everybody, everybody's laying down titles and names um, because it's not about them. Right. Which I, I think that's that's really cool. That's huge. That's and huge. just a, rad, a radical humility that is there, um, and like nobody's nobody's begging to get on that stage to talk. Nobody's begging to get on that stage to lead worship. Mm. Um, everybody's trying to put each other above themselves. And, and just the honesty and authenticity um, of the space, of the, um, I hate to call it the vibe of the room, um, yeah. but, you know, everybody's just being honest and open. And, um, you know, I think that's when transformation comes in, is when we can be honest with ourselves and we do let the Holy Spirit talk to us and reveal things into our heart, you know, in, in our lives and tell us what we need to confess to us. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I think of that, that search me and know me, God, and, yeah. you, know, you know, reveal to me, you know, those areas in my life that, that aren't of you. Right. And I, I believe that's going on. And I think it's just really, really beautiful. It's happening. Um, I think this, this 
school and the team who have lead who have led it so far. Yeah, um, I think they've done an incredible job with it. Obviously, it's not sustainable, and yeah. to keep meeting in that in that capacity. Yeah, um, they are they are a higher education institution. <laughs> they got to get back to us. <laughs> yeah, and um, and so that's kind of I, I see the direction um, that they're trying to move into where you know this can't stay here. You know, revival's supposed to go spread, and so right. you know they're starting to commission people out um, to yeah. go and they're asking churches to join in, like, like help us out. Like you host something, you, you know, you know, we're not, we're not the place where we're not the only place where the Holy spirit dwells and then the Holy spirit can work. And so, um, let, let's move this across the country and not just think it's in one spot. Yeah. That's good. That's good. Uh, you know, I love when Peter, James and John went up with Jesus on the mountain of transfiguration. Like it's good that we stay here. And Jesus was like, yeah. yeah, but we got work to do in the valley. You know what I'm saying? It's good for you to see me in my yep. purity and my, in my form, but it's, we still got work to do in the valley. And, um, and so uh, I think that's, I think that's a good word. And Dalton, I'm so glad you got to go be a part of that and be, uh, get to lead worship at that. And thank you so much for sharing with us a little bit about, uh, what you saw, what you heard and what you experienced. And, um, and man, I really appreciate you taking time today, uh, to talk with us. Yeah, of course. I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, well, hang on because I need to talk to our audience and, and, and tell them, hey, guys, listen, um, I, I think Asbury is now starting to live stream, as Dalton told me, right, Dalton? They're, they're starting to live stream a little bit of this? Yes. Um, yeah. I think the last live stream is going to be Thursday. Okay. Um, and so there's there's some time where you can check some of this. But I would encourage you, um, you know, personally, Seek the Lord. You know, I, I find myself in seasons like this, getting on my hands and knees and asking for revival, um, not even just for my church, but for me personally, in my personal walk with Jesus, with my marriage and my kids, and, and, and to take me to a place where my delight is deeper, my joy is all the more, my affections have been turned towards Jesus, His Word is what I hunger and thirst for, His presence is what I'm desperate for. And uh, listeners, if that's you, man, find that. Ask the Lord for that. I've never seen revival take place either personally or publicly without much time spent in prayer. And so take time, think, pray, seek the Lord. And uh, man, I, I hope that this is something we have to talk about for many, many days and many, many podcasts because people are, uh, man, people are seeking after the Lord. Uh, but if there's any way that we can help you as uh, as a podcast, if there's any way that I can help you, please feel free to reach out and uh, always know that we're here and we want to be a part of your life. We want to answer questions and uh, we want to be a place, a well for information and also research or whatever it is that you want to learn about when it comes to walking with Jesus. But like always, thank you so much for listening and being a part of the Here's the Deal podcast. You can find us all over the place. Share this with somebody, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks for watching or listening to the Here's the Deal podcast.